This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Jackbox. Get five hilarious party games in the Jackbox Party Pack from the creators of You Don't Know Jack. Now on Xbox One, PS3, PS4, Steam, and more. Go to jackboxgames.com for more info. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is my good friend, Mark Logsdon, and he talks to me about his newfound knowledge of and love of being a dad. Uh, He has a sweet five-and-a-half-month-old daughter named Rosie, who I've had the pleasure of meeting on one occasion uh, due to um, Joe Scott and her husband putting together a schedule of people to bring meals to uh, Mark and his wife, Sarah, uh, during the first few months of uh, Rosie's little life. So it was just one less thing they had to worry about, which is a testament to what kinds of friends uh, Mark and Sarah are, I think, uh, but also to Joe Scott, of course, um, that everyone who knows them was more than willing to uh, jump on that. And uh, I know that was a big help for them. Uh, literally, but also just to get to like hang out with people that they weren't getting to see. We talk or we speak to that a decent amount during the episode that, um, one of the biggest things about being a new dad is that it really just has totally changed Mark's, uh, life and schedule and time and everything else. And I am glad that I got to be a part of that relatively early and I'd love to see little Rosie again soon. Um, but at this point, we have Mark Beck for the fishbowl that's weekly at 9.30 uh the Annoyance Theater. Um, I don't know how else to pitch it that's better compliment than uh, it's the thing that Mark chooses is worthy of his time and energy in this newfound um, busy schedule of his raising a child. Uh, I really, really love this conversation and I love this group and I like that uh, somewhere towards the end we kind of got into uh, a breakdown of of how that's um, remained a factor in his life um, post- child entering it other shows coming up at the annoyance that you should check out this thursday at eight is the first preview for a show that i'm in called ask your doctor it's a musical about pharmaceutical reps we've got three previews in december and open in january uh and that'll be every thursday night at eight through i believe february so mark your calendars Don't forget, from now through the rest of December, well, until we hit those big holidays, I'm not doing a show on Christmas night. What do I look like? Some sort of Christmas heathen? I don't know. 
I might. Uh, Friday nights at 8 o'clock and Sunday matinees at 3 p.m. You can see the Annoyance Christmas pageant that is live-action versions of A Charlie Brown Christmas and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer acted out by grown adults. Mostly strictly the scripts from those shows themselves, but we go a little off the record for certain um, improvisations. Ad-libs? Ad-libs is probably a better word. Uh, so come see a bunch of adults uh, act like children in Christmas specials that you liked when you were a kid and watch now with your family sometime, maybe. Um, thank you so much to the Chicago Podcast Co-op, which I enjoy thoroughly being a part of and uh, using the facilities there at the SUM office uh, to record. Another member of the Chicago Podcast Co-op that you should check out is Making New Friends. Each week, Pat invites new and old friends into a studio where anything can happen. Former guests include murderers, ghosts, milkmen, centaurs, and that nice fella who lives down the street. Pat joined us, the Nerdalogs, recently at a Your Stories event to tell a story um, about advice that he would give to a future daughter that he may have. Um, so that made me think of the, uh, tie-in for this episode. If you'd like to check out, um, Pat's story on your stories or, uh, his podcast, Making New Friends, part of the Peaches and Hot Sauce Network, go to chicagopodcastcoop.com. Please rate any and all things that you listen to through that on iTunes. It helps other people explore new shows and enjoy them just as much as you are. Right, guys? Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for Mark taking some time out of his busy new dad life to sit down with me and chat about what that's been like so far. school, I was uh, on the science team. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Do you know Science Olympiad? Have you ever heard I've of heard of Science okay. Olympiad, yes. Okay. So I was on the Science Olympiad science team, and I was on the event Science Crime Busters. Mm. And the way it was, there was, like, everyone competed in events, and uh, for Science Crime Busters, there was, like, a bunch of different clues at a crime scene, and then you had, like, an hour or two hours to solve it. That sounds really cool. <laughs> it was. I, honestly, it was good. But, I mean, every crime scene had a note. Right. So every crime scene had... <laughs> Pen chromatography. It was like kind of like oh, a, oh, yeah. okay, so it was okay. like a game of Clue. Like, okay, these three suspects all had that pen out of six, so we know it's at least these three. No, right. Then there was an unidentified powder. So, like, a, a lot of times, like, a baker would have done it because there was <laughs> an unidentified powder. It was either, like, plaster or flour. So you could either be a baker or a carpenter or something. Because they weren't going to just be like, oh, mm-hmm. it was a Coke dealer. <laughs> 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 Yeah. This was a drug kill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would have been. I, I would have. If I didn't care so much about it back then, or I was a little being a little fresh. I probably would have been like. You probably would have yeah. pointed that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much they would actually use something like that, like in a criminal situation. I mean, I guess they would try to do as much as possible. But most of what we do is, like, um, drug analysis, and uh, we teach uh, DUI lawyers how they do um, blood alcohol levels. Mm. 
if it's they don't have their breathalyzer? Uh, so there are a lot of states where if you deny a breathalyzer, they can take a blood sample in the field. Like, the arresting officer can draw blood from you. And do a experiment in their squad car? They would, like, throw the kit back into their car and, like, take it into a lab. It would be something that wouldn't hmm. factor in uh, until there was some kind of trial. <laughs> it's the Which means that there's, like, a lot of room for there to be... Uh, mistakes made because it's a kit being pulled out of the car by a police officer <laughs> that like <laughs> there's no telling how long it was in there in the first place yeah how does a f- how do you concede to a blood sample in the field uh i think a lot of people don't realize that like that's what the uh yipes procedures are but also i feel like they're probably lawyers who would encourage people to turn on the breathalyzer anyway because there is so ma- there are so many moving parts involved in the blood testing that it's mm. easier to find to like punch holes in the science that is true i it's can see yeah it's not like admissible evidence or something like right that. <coughs> it's pretty well i can't imagine intense. how a cop does at drawing blood since the people who draw blood who that's <laughs> their whole job mm-hmm. are, are like 50 percent of them are good at mm-hmm. it <laughs> i feel the same way and uh i know that's something where like lawyers go nuts if they can get like the dash cam of like that whole procedure mm-hmm. happening because if they can find anything that might have like affected the results that's mm-hmm. if, like one of the places that they're gonna go but man it's i can't imagine either there's a lawyer who like helps teach our classes who wanted to become a registered phlebotomist um, you know, just basically, so he would like know more about it and be able to be more of an expert in that area. And it, he researched that in Florida, you can become a phlebotomist. Like, you can ace the test, and that's uh, like a written test, and that's eighty percent of the like how you know what you have mm-hmm. to do to pass. And the actual physical t- part of it is only twenty percent. So he didn't even go. <laughs> he just like. Ace the test and is a registered phlebotomist. Oh, because an eighty passes, eighty <laughs> percent yeah. passes. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I found out. They that should have is to like really draw terrifying. juice out of an orange. Yeah, or something, something to like test it out. You know? Yeah, or like, yeah, something. <laughs> I don't. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Can um, they get the yolk out of an egg? <laughs> or something like that. That's like how you. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I man. was gesturing a needle. <laughs> Thank okay. you. Okay. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for dictating that for the <laughs> listeners. Uh, my guest today is Mark Logsdon, and he's going to be talking to me about his newfound love and knowledge of being a new dad. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so what's the origin of your love of being a new dad? Uh, that would be my daughter, Rosalie, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Rosie. Or just Roe. So there's a lot of nicknames Oh, there. Rosalie. Mm-hmm. And it's a family name, right? Yes. My wife, Sarah, her grandmother's name is Rosie. Or was Rosie. Oh. It actually was Rosa Lee. Two names. Oh. We combined it into one name, Rosalie. Nice. Mm-hmm. I like Roe. Little fish eggs. Little Roe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. After the fish eggs. Yeah. I assume that's what mm-hmm. you meant. And specifically for this topic, I know I think for other folks, their interests on this show can be brought like a broad. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I like this show. You may also like this show. Mm-hmm. So being a new dad is specifically 
me being me being a dad in my oh, experience with sure. this person with my daughter with your trial may be totally different from someone else's sure. experience being a new dad and that is a perfectly fair distinction. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted, yeah, because I feel like I don't want to say, well, this is what it's like. Right. It's more I like, am this is what it's like an for me. expert. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's that's a mm-hmm. fair, uh, uh, what's the word? Disclaimer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is how old now? She's five and a half. She's born on June. Five and a half months. Five old. and a half months. Yeah, five and a <laughs> half months. Yeah. Sorry. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's okay. another important distinction. That's okay. Uh, five and a half months. She was born June 14th. Of this year, six days after my birthday, Gemini. Wow, yeah, she is a Gemini. <laughs> and then guess what? Like the f- one of the first things I did was like, who does she share a birthday with? Yeah, and on a f- and the number one result is Donald Trump. No, yes. more. I don't know, and it's like no one else. And I think like no. the day before, the day after, I have a bunch of really cool people. <laughs> but number one for June fourteenth oh. is Donald Trump. I know. My favorite shared birthday is Joan Rivers. Awesome. That's RIP, a great one. Isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. And then I'm also um, one, like bookended by uh, May Whitman. I think hers is on the 7th and Michael Sarah's is on the 9th. May Whitman? Um, She's been in... Most recently she made a movie called The Duff. I haven't seen that, but I don't know why I cited it. Um, mm-hmm. She was on the show Parenthood. Okay. She was also in um, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. She's been around. I, I recognize her. I, would, re- I would definitely, yeah, recognize her. I like her a lot. Um, but anyway, I th- and I think they're both, like, the same age as I am, too, or right around the same age. Oh, wow. Fun facts. Mm. Uh, so, what, like, how long have you and mm-hmm. Sarah been together then? married okay so because i feel like that <coughs> is part of <laughs> the <Yeah>. parenthood thing <laughs> sure. as well yeah uh yeah so yeah i co-parent with <laughs> Sa- my wife sarah we met in 2009 doing a show at the annoyance theater really mm-hmm. we did a triple feature together <coughs> Adorable. Was, yeah <laughs> uh, but we didn't really I, actually i did know her because i watched her perform really you know she was in close quarters and the show called bella at the playground mm-hmm. and uh, re- i think she was doing revolver at that point so i had seen her known her and i was also doing a bunch of shows at that, s- that point but she had no idea who i was <laughs> 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 um yeah so that, that's which really is fine. funny it's fine no one little may december performer <laughs> <over>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but uh yeah and then so cast in that show and then we started dating that fall that was like north of the summer we started dating that fall and then we got married i don't know four years later 2013 nice Mm -hmm. uh yeah it's like i mean everything it's been a long time right since then it's like six years but it really feels so short really to me yeah feels like because i always kind of compare things to the length of time i was in high school or the length of time i was in college like mm-hmm. four years is like oh, a, yeah. uh you know a unit of a unit of yeah an, an epoch in your like sure development as a human being right and so for it to be six years is like whoa this is longer than the time i've I was done in anything that's great. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's an important part of the backstory. <laughs> um, did you guys, like, do you remember the first time that you ever talked about, like, having kids? Um, 
you know, I don't know if we directly, you know, not probably not while we're dating, except maybe saying like I want to have kids someday or right. whatever. That just may general, have come out, but yeah. I do know that when we got engaged, someone gave us a book or yeah, I think someone gave us an engagement gift that was like something about when you're getting getting married book or something like really? that. Really? I don't remember what I I'm trying to remember what book it was, but it had a series of questions in it that was like you should discuss these questions <laughs> if you're going to get married. Wow. And it covers everything from your religion and your politics and your life goals and all this other stuff and then covered kids. So I know we talked I mean, immediately we were just said like, "Yes, we want to have kids." Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. I highly Always recommend doing that if you get engaged as as well yeah i mean you're not gonna want to uh find yourselves a couple mm-hmm. years into it and be yeah. on totally different yeah. playing fields i mean for the most part if you're engaged to someone you there's not gonna you're not gonna discover find a, a something total out showstopper at right that point. <laughs> <laughs> at that point you would one would yeah. hope so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it's mostly just like confirming like oh we are kind of on the same page or you know some of it's really just reflecting on things that you have maybe haven't even given a chance to reflect on with your sure yeah because like when things are just hypotheticals you're not Mm -hmm. it's not something that you think about as seriously but when it starts to become Mm -hmm. real that's Mm -hmm. when you have to (laughs) face those kinds of questions yeah uh do you remember like at all when you're growing up or getting you know i guess to that point and at any point you know, before you uh, were engaged and with Sarah, um, thinking about, like, the hypothetical of becoming a father or, like, oh, man, like, if I ever have kids, it's not going to be like this. Like, mm-hmm. uh, do it, like, did we, like, think about, think it through what it would actually be like? No, or? I just mean, like, you as a person, I feel like at some points in your life, you can think or maybe I guess this is a better way to pose the question. Um, you know, now you have obviously a totally different perspective <laughs> on the situation than mm-hmm. you did before. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you thought going into it, may, even, you know, before you and Sarah were together or before she was pregnant uh, or any time during that process that you think is like totally weird or different from what you expected it to be? Oh, OK. So what did I think then and that ended up not being true? Yeah, right. Um, you know, I, or truths. Or truths, yeah. yeah. Well, you, you, you often hear the sleep deprivation part of it. You know, <laughs> you're never going to get any sleep, which is, you know, definitely sleep as a concept just is a huge part of your life, both getting your child to sleep and then right. also figuring out how you get to sleep and functioning yes. and all that. So, yeah, I mean, everything – so that was out there, but you don't really know what that's like until you go through it. Sure. A lot of it is sort of – it's like sort of like saying uh, – you know, you could ask someone who went to the Army, like, what did you think boot camp was going to be like uh-huh. versus what was it like? And you're uh-huh. like, well, I knew it was going to be hard. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was going to be pretty tough. Um, so, yeah, I think that um, – I don't know. You you have kind of vague notions about what it will be like. And I think everything that you probably hypothesize is sort of probably truth. Some truth. Yeah, there's probably some truth in it. You just there's just nothing quite like being thrown into it. And then you just don't get a break from it. 
forever <laughs> uh, to, to kind of like realize what that means. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point because I feel like you can – you can think in hypotheticals all you want, but once there's like a <laughs> you're facing the ch- the task of raising another life, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and it's all the time. Yeah, you know, like all, before I came here, it was kind of managing and coordinating with Sarah that she was getting out of a rehearsal, and so I couldn't leave the house until she was home, and also the Rosie's bedtime is you know usually between six and seven thirty or something like that mm-hmm. and uh so i was trying to make sure i got her ready for bed and i usually do the bedtime routine and get her all soothed and fed and put her down and then timing that so that when sarah got home i could leave like you could actually leave do a high five dig you know well, switch cars i appreciate you doing yeah, that uh and get here yeah so actually, anything after seven thirty is what really works in my schedule right now. Oh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know we were grateful to uh, have you back on Thursday nights. Mm-hmm, I know yeah. that that's still kind of part of. Uh, I mean, you just described, I'm sure, something that's pretty typical between both of you guys who are still uh, balancing doing a thing that you love and mm-hmm. that you've been doing since you met. You know, since obviously since before you met one another. Yeah. I'm uh, figuring out how that factors in. Yeah. I don't think it's like uh, you don't really know how much you need to plan everything that you do. You kind of take for granted as a Lucy Goosey non-parent. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> sure. That you could go to a concert tomorrow the night if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, I forgot something at the grocery store. I'm going to go back right it. now and get it. Yeah. You know? uh, all those things are now. Oh, gosh okay but who will be here and is she gonna wake up or does she need to go back down right to, to sleep and and so it's you know just making sure you coordinate all those things so like going home for thanksgiving last week yeah was uh, not just getting the ticket and knowing the time it was okay how do we get to the airport what mm-hmm. do we pack for her that is everything that we could possibly need right sure how do we get her and all that stuff to the airport <laughs> get it on the plane and then all that other deal stuff, with yeah. having plane, a five and a half month child on a plane <laughs> yeah uh how yeah what's that gonna be like and how'd she handle it good we got some good tips one is to have the her nurse on takeoff and landing so as her ears are popping she's like swallowing and it kinda, oh they don't, oh yeah. wow that is kind of genius that was a great tip another great tip was give her a new toy on the plane that she hasn't seen before <gasps> so she's like so she's enraptured. Like extra fixated on it that's really interesting that also worked really well that's awesome yeah and we had <laughs> two things that as a <clears throat> non-parent i would mm-hmm. never even fathom <laughs> yep. uh another one is there are these things called flight wipes which are disinfectant wipes oh. that we, wiped. we use like a whole package everything. of everything everything i think like the most germ ridden thing on any plane is the tray right that everyone touches that one spot mm-hmm. so um yeah we had flight, <laughs> flight wipes <laughs> <laughs> going through flight wipes <laughs> like crazy yeah and you're like wiping off seat belts and Things that you don't think about in the least mm-hmm. otherwise. Nope. Nope. Not at all. Um, oh, shoot. I was going to ask something else. Was this the first time that, like, it was she was a part of a big family gathering like that? Uh, yeah. Well, it's the first time that she's traveled. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think so because 
you know, each of our parents have visited us, but it, we haven't had all of Sarah's family hasn't all met uh, Rosie at the same time. So yeah, this is the first family, big family gathering. Was that? Uh, I know sometimes those kinds of things can be nice because you can just like trust that the baby is just going to get like, uh, there's mm-hmm. a, there are more hands on deck who like mm-hmm. actually want to help and do stuff like that. Uh, yeah. So I'm sure it was like in some ways a, a nice reprieve. It's amazing <laughs> that we could just have someone hold her while we, you know, did, just did anything. Anything. You know? That's we what I was really about to anything say. Else. It anything. Be, it would be more like, uh, that Sarah went into another room to pump breast milk <laughs> and then instead of her doing that by herself i'd go Good with her and kind of keep her company and yeah. then someone else would have the baby so that was nice yeah <laughs> it really yeah. bring yeah i mean i know that's why a lot of people move close to their parents and stuff like that yeah. when they get in that situation mm-hmm. it's pretty nice we've been you know she's five and a half months old and the only time that we've both been away from Rosie and out of the same room or out of the same building or house is one so when she was two months old I had to be at work and Sarah had to be at and she had like a work a gig kind of a day job afternoon thing and someone babysat her for four hours wow was one time and then another time was over Labor Day weekend when Sarah's parents came to visit uh for two nights and then we went out to dinner those nights uh-huh other than that, one of us has always been with her at all times for five and a half months. That is, that really, like, puts it into <laughs> a very specific perspective. Mm-hmm. That's really, whew. Yeah, it's like always having someone on ghouls or whatever in you know, recess games where it's like you need to have someone, I don't know. Ghouls? Someone else, didn't you have that? Goals, ghouls, what is it called? Maybe we pronounced it weird. Mm. I don't know if I know what that is. <laughs> it's like always someone needs to be touching the thing, you know, at all times. Like someone has to be touching the whatever, the, okay. the end zone. And okay. So we're, one of us always has to be right, 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 with right. Rosie at right. all times. Yeah. You're saying your baby's a ghoul. <laughs> I think it's goals, but we said ghouls. I don't know. <laughs> Oops. Um, <laughs> man, yeah, I can't. I mean, sometimes I think about uh like even something is done as where the podcast is concerned i'm like wow you've been doing this once a week for over two years good job and it's like <laughs> fuck off like it's like <laughs> i don't know three hours a week <laughs> I, i'm impressed by some of the people that have been on this podcast oh, that's why i was saying like that. that i why yeah. i've realized like i this is the only thing i can talk about this is truly even though it's been five and a half months, it's mm-hmm. the most dedicated I've probably been to anything before ever. I was listening to the HP Lovecraft episode because yeah. I really love, uh, or I like HP Lovecraft, but I've only been introduced to him maybe a year ago. Oh, wow. A year and a half. Yeah, and Logan is like and this encyclopedic. Like, <laughs> I, I thought he was going to be like, say, like, yeah, I've read a lot of his stories. But right. He's like, I'm, he ri- I'm writing a play on HP Lovecraft. Yeah, he I've wrote a whole play. Yeah. Saying, so, I don't know. I think... He may be as dedicated to that <laughs> as you are. As I, am doing. To <laughs> I mean, I think that's probably. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not true. No, I was going to say. <laughs> no, it doesn't consume. Mm, no. Um, no, he doesn't have to uh, wake up in the middle of the night and look on a little monitor and check if HP Lovecraft is breathing. <laughs> 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 but I think that's like mm. the nature of, uh, of nerdery in general is mm-hmm. that like if you're really really intensely a fan like a nerdy fan about something you mm-hmm. just like it 
it envelops you in a yeah. lot of ways. But yeah, and then you compare it to something <laughs> like this. It's like, well, oh. <laughs> you know what also though kind of is interesting is that when you become a parent or, you know, there's, there is a, there is something that sort of settles and crystallizes in your life in a way where I want, it sounds depressing to say, a lot of opportunities are closed off to you suddenly and now you're, you know, most of your time and energy goes into raising this child. Sure. But there is a feeling of, oh, I will probably never be that into something else, you know. Wow. Or, or, you know, it's just, that's just the way it is. Yeah. I'm not probably going to visit libraries to read H.P. Lovecraft reference book letters. Because they can only be accessed in that (laughs) one specific place. Yeah. Yeah, So, or just, you know, anything like that, just it. Or at least for a vast majority of your life and her life. Yeah. It's, uh, there's the. You know the Onion headline? It's There's a joke or something about um, find what you're passionate about yes. and do it on nights and weekends for the rest of your life. Yes, of course <laughs> I have seen that But now my nights your and weekends, nights and weekends are, are child-rearing. Yeah, so it's now that's a little bit blocked off. So now it's more closer <laughs> to find out what you're passionate about and do it once a week if the timing works. <laughs> works out. Well, but I think it speaks to you guys uh, and, you know, how much you love what you do in the community that you're a part of. And if I may say how great you both are at it, that you find ways to make sure that that's still a part of your life. You, I mean, so I'm also speaking from the dad's perspective, right, where I, in this, uh, in our environment, I am the, I'm working nine to five. Yeah, right, right, right. Sarah's the primary caregiver, you know during the during the week so it's it is important for me to go out and do something different but i do go out to my job admittedly it is like going to work but that is truly an escape from the intensity and constant um like alertness i was gonna say anxiety vigilance anxiety exactly yeah experiences it's truly harder to be the person who's home all the time you think the person going to work and being a parent is harder it's like no it's the person who's home all the time that is just think about Listen never leaving up. your house <laughs> what it would be like to never leave yeah. and to be and to never be able to do an activity really like unwind that lasts longer than it. one how long a child naps for which is like uh, anywhere between 40 minutes to at the most three hours but that's like Oh, that's once a, a month that's your dream where, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and i'm sure you probably find yourself like also trying to get sleep during those periods more yeah well all. that's a everyone says sleep when the baby sleeps but when the baby sleeps is all when you, you want to do is do try to do something yeah so God. that is hard to sleep quote sleep when the baby sleeps when you really just need to use that time to do something yeah so you don't just like go insane <laughs> yeah i mean for sarah it's brush her teeth take a shower eat breakfast yeah my sister-in-law has like said that before when i've been visiting them that like it's that's kind of like where the only place where my real experience with that comes is just by like visiting my niece and nephew and like kind of talking to my brother about uh what his 
um, experiences that mm-hmm. with that has been. But like, yeah, they they both welcome just like being able to get ready in the morning mm-hmm. while I like cause the last time I visited them, I like uh, like fed in breakfast their older son and like played with him and like mm-hmm. watched something with him while they like one of them was with lexi their infant mm-hmm. and the other one was just like taking a shower or like mm-hmm. <laughs> actually being a human for a second i mean i think everyone's probably experienced walking into a room or showing up to someone who has a kid and they just hand him to you yeah <laughs> that's totally yeah what you want to just go here you hold him for a little bit yeah yeah uh, there we go yeah hands free <laughs> my uh my boyfriend recently texted me a picture of his uh mom their family had a big like wedding in the area and he texted me a picture of his mom holding um i think it's his cousin's child and uh she he like and then he like followed up with like she just walked in the room and took it and like hasn't given it to anyone <laughs> else after that and i was like i texted back like honestly they're probably fucking thrilled mm-hmm, like. mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, is great. it is great and family is truly the one the any family member you trust instantly and yeah any, sure uh, and any friend honestly i know people feel scared about dropping a baby but you probably won't i mean <laughs> that's good any to hear person, any person is like it's pretty hard how many times do you just drop stuff <laughs> <A thing>. yeah <laughs> especially you know? when you're in like most of your being while you're holding it especially if you're mm-hmm. someone who uh isn't the parent mm-hmm. i'm sure you're standing there going like oh god i mm-hmm. like all i have to focus on is not dropping yeah. this thing mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and if you're really still dropping things at that point <laughs> I I think I've said this before, so I, if I I don't know, I, I'm sure I've talked to you about parenting new baby yeah, stuff before. But when I was someone who was you know always a little bit anxious about holding a baby, sure. But for your own child, for me, the moment she was born, I had no doubt, you know, that you're not gonna that the you can hold her and you will not drop her. Oh, it's like, it's like, that's really sweet. Yeah, it's it was. That was probably the most Visceral. instinctual kind of feeling. And then the obvious just instinctual protection and, mm-hmm. and awe, truly. I think you're just totally in awe and amazed that this is person is now who was not in the, in the world mm-hmm. five minutes ago is now there, like, in the room with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is really just a powerful experience. Yeah. I, unprecedented i'm sure yeah it's just uh it's 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 wild the whole birth and the whole process is just pregnancy through birth is just one of those things where i think for other people you know as soon as i find out anyone is pregnant i'm so excited more so than, than i ever was before really uh uh one just so that they can go through it but mm-hmm. also then it's oh, someone you, who's joined you relate to it relate to yeah i mean it, People should have a kid if for no other reason than so, so that, that I can have more friends <laughs> with kids. <laughs> uh, the, okay, yeah. so uh, I was definitely going to ask okay, yeah, about okay. what your, um, you know, what you, what kinds of things you were going through during while Sarah was pregnant because I feel like that's a really specific perspective too but i'm glad that you i mean you elaborated a, a little bit on that and like <clears throat> delivery and stuff but I, I would love to hear more about that uh but also i 
I just like from my perspective I get excited when people that I know are pregnant because like especially people like you and Sarah and another uh, couple that comes to mind uh, is Sean Kelly and his wife Chelsea because mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. she's pregnant right now and I'm just like Stormageddon yeah, yeah. Stormageddon <laughs> but I'm just like it's really cool and exciting to see people who you know and enjoy who are really smart and really like interesting passionate people who are going to bring up a child like in a home that is like smart and interesting and passionate and caring and like it's like man that person has like such a good shot at being so like yeah. cool and such a good person <laughs> yeah it is, that is true you know of all the people in this community that i know have had kids for all of them you're like that's great mm-hmm. um and i I can't say I've had that feeling of, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think yet, I can think of anything yet, like but, that. Uh, no, it's it's awesome. I think, uh, and again, just fully support anyone <laughs> who's ready to have kids. <laughs> you know, why waste time? You just Give go Mark for it. Yeah. <laughs> and Rosie some buds. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, is she going to hang out with um, Guy and Coleman Scott? Uh, possibly. They're a little bit older. Two and a yeah. half. They're, yeah, they're, yeah, I think they're like two and a half. Getting up there. Yeah. So they're a little bit older, a little bit out of her, you know, dating range. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. I, I just, we just got to give it like yeah. a decade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. <laughs> One of them could be her first little play playground crush <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know who, who I, i'm always been on team guy which yeah I feel like is not a a popular team oh really i think murdoch is heavily team coleman <laughs> is uh, i i know that also like at least one if not both of them will just like absent-mindedly repeat Murdoch. (laughs) 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 Which is, like, great, but also, like, oh, God. Uh, It's, like, it's the equivalent of that they're repeating a swear word there. Yeah. <laughs> quoting Murdoch. Quoting Murdoch. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, I mean, if you want... <laughs> for those listening who don't know Jeff Murdoch, if you want some insight into his <laughs> personality, <laughs> you should definitely listen to his episode of MBSing. Because oh, I think topic? it encapsulates it pretty well. Uh, he talked about... Uh, he called it high school music. And it was just like the music that he specifically... <laughs> was into when he was in high school sure. which is the same as the music that he's into now okay um so it's a lot of like blink Woody to smash mouth like <laughs> that's what he's into now as well oh for sure that's okay. yeah he basically a lot of it was like hey guys if you think that you don't like this stuff you're just lying to yourself <laughs> It's good stuff. It uh, is catchy. Um, yeah, I, th- that was a lot of it, and uh, and we just talked about like, um, you know how like that's a very a time when you're really like trying to find an identity identity and like impress people at the same time and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think it really I think it really encapsulates his <laughs> character pretty sure. well. And we realized right at the end of the recording, or maybe right after the recording, that his was episode forty one. And we had talked about a Sum 41 song, and we were both like, oh, yeah! <laughs> like, got way too excited about uh, it. <laughs> oh, 
so what was it like? Like, do you feel like while Sarah was pregnant, you were just like, oh, God, like, what is this? Like, did you think, do you feel like you were kind of consumed by thinking about what, you know, after those nine months were up? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's hard to believe it's real mm-hmm. for a long time, especially for Sarah. I mean, you don't even feel movement for yeah. months for three or f- I don't know when it was three or four months. And actually we could see her, you know, on the ultrasound bouncing around in there before she could even feel her. And that was Man. just totally wild. Mind know, boggling. To see this <laughs> A thing inside person, of you. <laughs> yeah, this creature, you know, bouncing, literally <laughs> like kicking off the walls and stuff. Yeah. It was, uh, that was really when it's like just you know more closer to like an embryo size it just uh, kind of like moves around in there well i don't know that i mean she was a few months in so i don't think she was embryo sized by the time we got an ultrasound oh right when they're when it there is some weird thing where there's they're small enough they're they're actually i think probably a fetus at that point because they have oh okay legs. sure but they haven't Fetus they haven't like squished a into a accurate. little ball yet because so there's still like some room in there so they are a little bit more act, act, <laughs> that sort is of so active like punching and kicking interesting and then as they get bigger they like oh they, they have to for yeah they're running out of space and they kind of get in that little tucked up shape and then then you can kind of feel them just do big turns and little elbow jabs and that you know feeling your stomach and feeling that it kind of the experience sort of is like a when a f- big fish goes by. Oh, or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what it sort of was like. You know. <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah. Uh, man. So, I, again, the guy, for me, the guy's perspective is just being a part of, you know, going to the prenatal checkups and mm-hmm. just hearing the heartbeat. You know, they, they don't really do an ultrasound every time. They just do it, really, they just do it once. Um, and, t- you know, more than that, if there's uh, any reason to. Sure. But really, they just do it once just to, I think, size the baby or whatever. Make sure reason. all the yeah. bits and pieces are there. <laughs> but then for the prenatal checkups, they use a little wand thing and you they can hone in on the heartbeat. And so you can hear the do, 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 do. And that's also a big moment. A big, yeah. And all that stuff is just really, you know, so, oh, it's it's amazing. It's just truly just very powerful and you can't believe it's real yeah it's like someone doing a magic trick and going that wasn't a magic trick that just really happened you know know, how would you feel wouldn't you get almost like emotional when if someone did that you know you wouldn't just be like oh that's so cool right that happened yeah (laughs) that's that's real yeah i yeah i can't i can't imagine that I feel like you hear a lot of um I think it's it's basically a cliche that it's like oh you don't you don't truly know what it means to like love someone until you see your child for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I don't I don't think that's necessarily true. And I don't think that everyone's supposed to have kids or every couple or whatever. I I, I do think it's you know, a choice that if you both want that mm-hmm. and you're both 
you know, foolish right. enough to do it. <laughs> no, if you're both just really, you know, it's something that you really want, then you but should. But I do but think there isn't, there's, I mean, we left, but, like, there's an element of truth to that. Like, when you really think about all of the factors there, uh, there has to be at least some element of, like, okay, I think we can do this. Yeah. Even though, like you said, yeah. like, you kind of hinted at this earlier, um, but I think it's, something that isn't really talked about very much there's really no way to you know literally prepare for that Mm -hmm. it is an experience that you will not have until you're in it yeah you know i i asked or sarah and i were talking about the other day what what do we think best prepared us to have a child outside of actual concrete child preparation sure you know taking birth prep classes and reading books and, reading, and stuff like that yeah getting all the stuff like what before any of that stuff like what best prepared us to have a child and really was being together in a relationship and working through a lot of stuff so that we got on the same page sure with re- resolving conflicts yeah and talking things through and you know, I, I don't know. I, uh, I, compromise <laughs> and sharing yeah. responsibilities and yeah. so it's cohabitation in general. Yeah. So if you think about um, when you're when you have a kid and you're really exhausted, right? <laughs> right. And we're both very very exhausted. Right. And when you're exhausted or whatever, that's when a lot of fights end up happening with your significant other. And I think the reason or one my theory and. I was reading a book that kind of talked about something like this too, but that uh, your reactions to things become more automatic and mm. more you more like re- have knee jerk reactions you to things think rather through. than a thoughtful response. For sure. So when uh, so that's like you know working through your relationship to the point where when you're not tired, <laughs> you're having thoughtful responses to things, and Ooh. when you do have a conflict, you talk it through and say like this is where i was coming from there's that was coming from because when you have a kid at least for those first few months you are so tired yeah that you really need to have honed your skills for don't have a knee-jerk reaction to this yeah 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 pause take a deep breath or if you do knowing how to uh you know if it like from Mm -hmm. one side or the other being able to kind of like (laughs) Uh, resolve that conflict mm-hmm. without like the knee jerk reaction being met with just another knee jerk reaction yeah. and like fueling the fire. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a decent amount of trade off where that kind of oh yeah and a tacit understanding level. Yeah, I mean, and we're totally you know really separated now because Sarah's home all the time and I'm mm-hmm. at work, so our life our lives are very different. As opposed to before when we were both working, mm-hmm. there there's some similarities there. Now mm-hmm. it's she's at home and I'm at work. You were both so working. You were both her you know, doing shows <clears throat> and rehearsals and whatever outside of work. You had similar right. lives to one another. Exactly. Just so, together. So it's easier to see the other person's point of view when your lives are similar. When your lives oh, are a little bit more different. Wow, you yeah. You have to really, it's a harder to attuned to what that other person is going through and, and empathize with their point of view. Mm-hmm. And both of you are so tired that it's like, <laughs> I'm the, you're both, you're thinking like, I'm the tired. I one. have to be tired. I'm the one who's the yeah. most exhausted. Yeah. You're just the one who's, 
you know, complaining either, more. Either or, been here all day with yeah. the kid or been at yeah. work all day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's like, like you said yeah. before, so, I mean, you, uh, your uh, uh, understanding and uh, kind spouse and dad, so you can recognize it like she's in a really difficult situation. But if yeah. that wasn't the case... But you don't recognize that at first. <laughs> 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 I recognize that now. And right. we, we did go to a family therapist for uh, several sessions to work through stuff because there's it, we just needed a non-partial third party to yeah. kind of mediate and, and to talk things through. And it was great. And Man, it was really, I was going to really say, helpful. that sounds awesome. Yeah, it was really helpful for both of us and got us through a really rough period of not being able to relate to each other mm-hmm. uh, in like what each of us was going through mm-hmm. and uh yeah it was and and honestly just the act of doing it the act beyond knowing just that you were making that effort that we both decided we we're going to do this was uh yeah that in and of itself was an important step to say like hey i'm willing to do this thing yeah, yeah. that's so great i can't i'm sure that it's not easy to you know put yourself into that situation but like you said like even just trying to make the effort to do something like that is a big step regardless of how <laughs> helpful you feel like the actual yeah, thing was there's a uh, there's a lot of different fields of therapy there's mm-hmm. a lot of different like disciplines and things like that and mm-hmm. i remember reading an article once that said that there's no one discipline that's better than another it's the whatever you as a patient and what the therapist believe is the best one is usually the one that works the best so it's like just the act of believing that the therapy you're getting is the is best helpful. one is pro- is like a huge part of it as well yeah and i mean also like i guess just with therapy in general along with that thought is is the idea that like it's important to remember that like no two experiences are really the same so like if you go somewhere and you don't feel like it was helpful then uh, it's not like i'm glad that you guys seemingly didn't experience that but like if you do then it's like well then i guess therapy doesn't work and it's like <laughs> no that's absurd like <laughs> yeah I've, i'm sure there are experiences where there are some really bad therapists mm-hmm. uh, and so you can get soured on it but for us and i just think I, you know, I, I think therapy's great. Yeah. <laughs> and Sarah, you know, she went back to school to get her MSW or master's in social work. And That's she's right. going, you know, she's going to be a therapist and work at, you know, that mental health clinical capacity. And, uh-huh. Uh, so obviously it's like, it's is a part of our family as well as, yeah. you know, this idea that therapy is great. Thing. Good. <laughs> Good. I mean, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. I, uh, a lot of people very close and very important to me share the same opinion of just like, mm-hmm. if you feel like it may be something that would help you, there's just like no harm mm-hmm. in, uh, seeing what that's like. Um, we so. read a, or our therapist gave us a book. I was going to ask about, <laughs> like, what some of the specific books were, but Oh, sure. All right. Well, I'll just open it up then. This, I'll start with this one. She gave us one that was called Parenting from the Inside Out, mm-hmm. which is 
about it's a film from Pixar from earlier. <laughs> yes, Ooh, yes. Yeah. We watched that the other night. It was great. It, just like for the first time. We watched it almost because it was in theaters when we had. Oh, it. Was sure. Born, so yeah, yeah. Like it. at the height. Yeah. So isn't it great? Yes. It makes me weep. I can't imagine what it would do to you at this point in your life. Oh yeah. I mean, I think I would have a year ago put myself in the shoes of the girl mm-hmm. the child right and instead we're, we're only we're th- on the side we're of the th- parents we're thinking of the parents side of it and it's like yeah yeah it was really i mean that whole movie was just very moving i can't <laughs> I imagine i because yeah. i was incredibly moved by it mm-hmm. as uh, a non-parent mm-hmm. as a 27 year old woman who like mm-hmm. <laughs> uh is somewhere in between the you know the two yeah, and that it's just about feelings and kids, you know, how do you deal with your emotions? And, and a big, t- there's a big change <clears throat> there in the film. It's so, you know, the move is a big emotional change for everyone involved. And, like, mm-hmm. having a child in the first place is a big emotional sure. change for yeah. everyone involved. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's great. So I'm glad you guys <clears throat> saw it. Yes, I we loved it. Good. Um, parenting parenting from, from, the the inside. from the Inside Out <laughs> is about... Uh, reflecting on your own experiences with being with your parents and how you were raised and i mean honestly a lot of the book is geared more not that it's geared more towards but is certainly geared towards people who had not great parenting experiences and saying you do not need to you do not have to repeat that type of parenting with your child mm-hmm. uh, because you're likely to repeat the pattern because that's sure what you're it's the only to. parenting that you've ever been experienced right or that you've yeah, ever been exposed that's your to. Nor- that's what you view as normal. So it's basically, I mean, this is the main ten- tenet of therapy anyways, mm-hmm. but the idea is through self-reflection of your own experiences rather than having um, these automated responses to things, like I was saying earlier, like reacting, you know, whatever your knee-jerk reaction is to have a more thoughtful response. And have, you know, actually change your behavior, which is what anyone, you know, outside of parenting, like the whole point of therapy is if you reflect on like how you behave and try to dig into like, why do I behave that way? And then if you get an understanding of that, then you don't necessarily have to behave that way anymore because you can (laughs) think before you act. (laughs) Right. It's like why therapy works or one of the reasons it, it works is that you can think about like oh that's why i do that okay so next time this happens instead of doing that i can be like oh i used to do that because of this and you don't and now and i'm not gonna do it anymore yeah yeah that's really interesting <clears throat> and such an important part of the conversation i think of it's just you know s- there's that like oh i'm becoming my father like Mm -hmm. i'm becoming my mother whatever it is like but that's all you've ever seen that's Mm -hmm. literally all you've ever known that's Mm -hmm. the thing they were the person who spent every waking moment uh, like between the two of them with you (laughs) yeah that's why i also think it's such an interesting choice when people don't have kids because what you're used to is a family with kids. Oh, right? yeah, that, yeah. That for everyone, their like view, like their initial point of view of the world is, even as a little kid, is, oh, I'm going to get married someday, and you know, and, I have and ba- do I the have same thing someday. that I've only ever experienced. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and then at some point you realize, you know, either that's, yeah, I actually still want to do that or no, I should not do that. And I do not want to do that. Because right. That will, that's not one of my goals, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like at the same, I've sh- on the other side of the coin, there are people who like just consume themselves with that and do it too, you know, either too quickly or like they don't set themselves up for uh, that experience or like there are plenty of parents out there who (laughs) (laughs) weren't weren't planning for that. I do know, I did empathize or I had a new perspective on a lot of what you may call like not great parent parents uh once i had a kid like oh that's you know why they act that way oh. like i can see they're not just horrible people like i get where their it feelings is are coming from hard like <laughs> I, I had like a newfound not respect but understanding for teen moms on that show teen moms. <laughs> literally well, well, there's a moment you know i haven't really watched that show but there is yeah. a moment in some episode where this girl's yelling at her mom to say i you know I'm not staying home tonight. You you have to watch, you know, the baby. I have a life. I have friends. I need to go out, you know, and then that's. And you see it as not a parent, and you're like, oh, my God. What a How brat. repulsive. What is she, you know, what do you mean you need to go out? You have a child. You did you're this. Selfish. You're yeah. so selfish. You have a child, and you're saying you need to go out. And now I'm like, I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> you need to go out. <laughs> you know? Especially, and that's, you you know, mm-hmm. a 17-year-old or a 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesus. I, can't even, I cannot imagine that. There is no part of me that, mm-hmm. like, can ever fathom what that would have been like there, and how totally that would change your experience. There is two sides of it in some ways, though. One is, you know, if you're 17 or 16 or whatever, if you're a teenager and having a kid, you're totally being ripped out of your lifestyle and you're certainly you know you aren't even done developing into an adult yet so you're definitely probably not equipped to be a a parent uh i'm already feeling guilty like i don't want to talk being judgmental i'm not being judgmental if this is your situation but i'm just saying you know like if anything you're being uh so i don't know what the ideal time to have a kid is but you know we were in our in our in our 30s and you, you're definitely prepared. You're, mm-hmm. de- you're certainly uh, established adult at that point, right? But you've also established a very, you know, you have a lifestyle as, mm-hmm. th- as an adult of a, as an independent person for a very long time. At that point, sure. So to change that after a decade is of, a different or m- decade plus of being very independent is like, you know, that's hard. Yeah, and I mean. The only other thing I was going to add is that, like you said it yourself, you get really excited when you have peers who are starting to have kids, mm-hmm. um, you know, for uh, like general reasons or for uh, selfish reasons. But like when that kind of thing happens, people are shunned. Like people, <laughs> you know, like I, I'm like shunned is probably a strong word. You mean like teen, for teen moms? Right. And stuff? Oh, yeah. Right. Like for when that happens as a teen, like. You deal with, you know, everyone that you know talking about that situation, whether to you or not to you Mm -hmm. or, you know, and like litter, you know, your family, people at school who barely know you. Like what a impossible situation to begin with. And then adding like pregnancy to it is just I can't imagine 
finish school. You're trying to figure <laughs> out what you want to do. Like, you it, don't know who much. you are as a person at all. I, actually, what you're saying about people judging you or whatever, I was just thinking about this. You know, I have a lot of profound thoughts when you're holding your baby and sure. just feeding him a bottle and it's just silent for 10 plus minutes. And you're sure. just like, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was thinking about how, I don't know what it ages, it peaks, but as you grow, you're this totally, you know, free-spirited child who has no care in the world. You don't care what people think. You don't even have a concept that people think things about you. Mm. And then at some point, you know, it starts to build and you start to be self-conscious and you have this, like, peak, probably middle school <laughs> or whatever. Uh. Moment, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, middle school, where <laughs> everything you do, you feel like you're being judged by your peers, and everything is, you know, y- can be a potential embarrassment or social mishap or whatever. It's one of the biggest, if not the biggest, way that you form your own, you know, behaviors yeah. or opinions is by yeah. how you perceive other people perceiving them. Yeah, I just think about that. I'm going to do another tangent. When I, I saw someone, you know, very millions of piercings in their face and all these things like that and i just some part of me is like i sort of get that where you just you don't you're you're so sick of being judged that you're basically like i'm not even going to be a part of the book of judgment that you like that you're basing on yes. i'm taking myself out of the book i'm way over here yes i'm like beyond you know i don't even go on the same skills so, uh, yeah like good luck figuring out me as a person <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah right right yeah, you can't judge me i'm not i'm not trying to be you anymore oh, i am yeah. so different from you that your judgment means nothing mm-hmm. uh but obviously it's still i mean some of this well anyway back to what i was saying <laughs> before, <laughs> no, I, it do, peaks, I think that's great you're like your anxiety and social pressure peaks at some point and then for the rest of your life you're just trying to get rid of that convince yourself just that that's slowly shedding it and i'm still in the process of that i feel like i've shed a lot of my social anxiety mm-hmm. uh over my adult years but still have tons of it but mm-hmm. certainly less than i did in middle school high school probably yeah college. thank goodness <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh from my perspective anyway yeah and and then you know for me for becoming a parent and you it i think an obvious dorky example of that is making fun of how dads dress. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and for, for me, I'm just like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, I, how can't I, dress imagine. I don't have the t- effort yeah. to be like, Oh, that's not my style. It's my image. I don't give a shit what I wear. Anymore. It's <laughs> a little sad. Not that I was really like, you know, a stylish, very guy aware of it before. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, but, uh, definitely is just is it clean and is it not <laughs> offensively <bad? laughs> relatively yeah. presentable yeah. to my yeah. coworkers and mm-hmm. friends <laughs> yeah. i do not care uh, yeah. uh, or it's even now it's like talking about you know therapy and stuff like that anything that could be you may overthink it judgmental right yeah, is, is just i don't care Who fucking cares? Yeah. good for you i mean i still care a lot about what people think plenty all of things the time. yeah 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 uh but those simple everyday surface things <laughs> <laughs> uh what are some of the other books that you read in preparation um, do you remember any yeah. that like really there's one uh yeah the couple that i liked one is called heading home with your newborn and that's really just like a kind of like a manual it's Ooh. really just like this is how you change a diaper. This is how you, um, you know, take 
take their temperature, uh-huh. rectal temperature. <laughs> right, right, right. These are all the things you might need, blah, blah, blah. These are the different developmental milestones, roughly, and what ages you'll do stuff. And that was less, like, something that you'll refer to, like, a reference, more just reading through as, like, okay, that's what that's what are the basic things. It gives okay. you a good general overview it, of a lot of those things. It clears up a lot of unknowns and says these are known, and it's like, oh, I the, think I can do that. It's or, seemingly things that, like, yeah. I yeah, I definitely went through that with, um, I mean, more of my nephew so far because he's like three plus now, uh, three and a half. But uh, three and a half, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, and it's like, oh yeah, now he's like saying his first words, forming mm-hmm. sentences, like potty trained. Those are things that like you don't think about, or at least yeah. I didn't have oh, yeah. any concept of when those kinds of like. Sure. general uh milestones were no, we're not even i mean this was called heading home with your newborn so we're, this n- is nothing like nothing about potty training or yeah, anything like that this is like when the <laughs> when should you expect them to laugh for the first time is it that was a little more ethereal it's just, yeah it's uh, this is how long they'll probably sleep for right you know, one to two hours or right and how or often like you should feed yeah them how much they should yeah how much they should be fed and stuff like that like pretty basic stuff you probably don't need to read that book uh, there's no book that you really need to read. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like what you, how your anxiety <laughs> about being a parent is. Um, but I definitely think that one is a helpful one to, again, feel like that there isn't something you didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, to, yeah, to to take care of some of those unknowns. There's also a book called The Magic Years that is I th- that sounds familiar. Written in the '60s or maybe '70s. Um, and it's really just about trying to understand um, what a child, like how much a child really understands, like up through age five. Cool. Um, and I recommend that for anyone to read at any time. You don't need to be expecting a kid. You could just read that, and it's a good. It's just a good book in general. Um, but it's it's definitely written at a time when they're probably a little bit more disciplined odd parenting skills mm-hmm. and more corporal punishment type stuff but oh yeah I'll let me so a lot of the book is basically saying you cannot discipline a six-month-old oh yeah they don't get <laughs> what your point is they yeah. don't know words Stop they don't crying. know concepts they don't have like, even what are you yeah. talking about so it's really just saying you know trying to put yourself in the frame of reference of a of an infant and saying they do not understand these things uh and it also for as a parent really kind of or prepares you to temper your anger uh Mm -hmm. toward an infant and be and really know that there's they do you know they don't know they know to make noise when they feel uncomfortable (sighs) yeah that's 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 kind of what they know that's all they got (laughs) it's i remember seeing matt barbera for the first time uh after his uh little girl was born um and i think it was i want to say she was maybe like two or three months Mm -hmm. at the time and uh i was like hey man how's it going like how like what's what's your life like like good to see you how was your child kind of thing and he was just like I think the first thing he said, or if not the very first thing, it was, like, among the first things he said. He was like, well, now I know why babies are so cute. It's because otherwise you would just kill them. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Again, that sounds horrifying, but I'm totally. I figured that you would I be able totally to relate. As soon as he said it, I was like, "Yeah, that really puts it in perspective." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, for us. You know, the turning point was at three and a half months. Mm-hmm. It's kind of when she started sleeping through the night. And mm-hmm. for a lot of people, that doesn't even come that early that early really i mean oh, i think God. they say by four months they should be sleeping through the night for the most if part. they're not something might be up. well I, there's just temperament there's babies a lot of different babies d- a lot of different factors temperament yeah. and genetics and all sorts of things but for us it was three and a half months and it's a tale of two child <laughs> children or lifestyles because the first three and a half months is you're um, a zombie <laughs> you're you know the they're just it's sort of like you give you're giving everything you can and you they're still they're still crying <laughs> you know or they still wake up yeah and you and you're so tired that you get angry and mm-hmm. you get angry at an infant and they have no idea that they're angering you or what mm-hmm. anger is and it just happens and uh that's that's just a part of it right and that was a, something that sarah and i got you know not in a fight about but some kind of conflict was that I was saying that I was angry at Rosie, <laughs> and right. she's saying, "You mean you're just angry? You can't be angry at her. Right? You can't be angry at an infant. She's not purposefully causing you, <laughs> yeah, turmoil. But then, uh, and she also does not <laughs> understand that you are in turmoil yeah. in the first place, <laughs> right? Uh, but you can be angry at an infant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It's true. I, I understand why. I understand that she has no, no responsibility for it. Or, or she's not trying to do anything or mm-hmm. but the reason it doesn't why mean that the you reason just why like I say turn you off your emotions that's what i'm saying like you can't invalidate someone's feelings about something sure if you feel angry yes and you feel angry at a certain thing that's also what, an important part of therapy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and an important part of relationships mm-hmm. as i have certainly found out over the last uh mm-hmm. year and a half or so of mine own i really feel like that's something that you don't i mean I will say this from my perspective and not just as a blanket statement. That is something that I did not, I could not fathom was as important as it is until I was like in a relationship where that, it that has to be important mm-hmm. is you have to understand that like the way that you feel as much as you want it validated mm-hmm. is like, you have to be able to do that for yeah the other person absolutely and that i mean think about that skill right of of making sure that you're honoring someone else's feelings about something and not invalidating them or saying you're just overreacting right like tell me i'm right i don't care how you feel Mm -hmm. like i just need to know uh, i'm right or whatever you're not really upset you're just you're just being dramatic how insult you know that's really insulting god yeah and um and if you know sarah's gonna listen to this probably and (laughs) like this is something that she's literally taught like taught me mm-hmm. so you know not to invalidate someone's feelings and mm-hmm. that skill is something you have to do with your kid again another you know get starting to get tidbits of wisdom from my own parents because you're asking them all the time what did you do and my dad had said something about you know you learn pretty quickly that all of a child's feelings are real mm. that is a real feeling you may think it's overreacting or you may think it's um you know they're just co- you know pretending but it's not like they really feel that way and if you want to uh, you know understand them and raise them in a 
safe and loving environment, you have to validate their feelings. You have to understand that that's not something that you can just ignore. Yeah, you know, if something if, they, if something upsets them, they aren't just faking it to yeah. like get out of it. Like they are genuinely upset. Yeah. And if you don't un- try to understand that, if you just say you're faking it, it's like that's not good. Or or like going back to what we're talking about where therapy is concerned, uh, you know, if you do feel like it's something that's being put on, then where is that? And this is obviously like an older kid. Mm -hmm. uh, Then where is that behavior coming from? Like what's fueling that? Like, why is that the response? Like it's, Mm -hmm. you know, probably not coming from a wholly like selfish place, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's something behind that just as much as Mm -hmm. there would be if it's a a genuine feeling. So another book, uh, speaking of that, there was one, honestly, a lot of these books, I have to say, you get a lot of, a a lot out of the book from the first half of the book. And then like the second (laughs) half, I've read the first half of a lot of books. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like they do you feel really like they're padding it out or what, yeah, why do you absolutely. think that is? Well, two reasons. One, they pad it out. And two, the second half is usually like at this month, you know, it's like this. And I'm not at that month oh, yet. Oh, so sure. Just like, that's fair. That's that. fair. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to read about, like you, like you said, month. like you you can't yeah, speak to like potty two. training yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to read that right now. Uh, but <laughs> but a lot of it is padding, padding it out. Yeah, yeah. And this <laughs> book in particular, I think, was doing that. But there's like, you know, there's an attachment I think it's called the attachment connection or something like that but mm-hmm. attachment theory um is a parenting style that a lot of people falsely equate with co-sleeping and wearing oh. your baby all the time <laughs> right i right, think right. like attachment is like being physically attached to your child but mm-hmm. really it's the uh, concept is that by creating a safe haven like by attuning to your child's feelings and kind of creating a safe connect or a connection with them allows them to um, feel secure mm. mentally and so that they can um, be more confident and explore the world more. So a lot of, so the critics of attachment theory think that you're coddling a kid and then it makes them, oh. instead of doing anything, they just want to be next to mommy. You know? Right. But the, the theory is no, if you, tell them you know if you teach a kid that you know there's someone looking after you you're safe i i i'm watching you it gives them then they'll then they quote can unquote permission they can you know wander across the room and look back see that mommy or daddy is there looking at you know with them and then they they actually can explore more of the world with as confidence. a result yeah so that's the theory and that book kind of gets into how you can practice that you know that that style or it's more just like a point of view you mm-hmm. know? do you believe it or do you not mm-hmm. it's rather than saying like no they're gonna learn how to um explore the world by me shutting them in the room and closing the door and then they have to learn how to be independent it's like that is not yeah how they learn pushing how to be somebody out of a nest yeah <laughs> they when they have secure attachment then that's how they learn how to be independent because they aren't fretting over safety yeah safety and where are my parents and what's going on and Mm -hmm. i have no nothing no foundation to kind of that's really interesting yeah i feel like that is definitely one of the like most fundamental parenting uh i don't know 
arguments probably isn't the right word, but uh, ideal or ideologies in the sense that like how you know helicopter parenting like mm-hmm. how closely do you actually want to be in control right. of your child's life and i don't think i have even approached that yet because mm-hmm. she doesn't walk on her own so mm-hmm. i don't know what it's like to hover around your child so mm-hmm. to speak she only goes where we carry and set her down right now right um so mm-hmm. i don't know which is a blessing in and of yeah. itself but i know there are a lot of other things that have become less difficult once that's not the yeah factor i mean i don't again i don't know a lot of (laughs) parenting styles right i think there's a lot of great ones there's there's definitely a few things that or there's a lot of things i could pretty confidently say that's fucking your kid up (laughs) (laughs) for sure and i I might be doing some of them i don't know but (laughs) but i think there's a lot of things that are above the threshold of good parenting. There's yeah. a lot of different things you can do that are, that That's are a spectrum. totally fine. There's not one right answer. Sure. And you to- and you really also learn li- that you cannot judge other parents oh. when you're interacting with them. Yes. We're even in a birth prep class. Yeah. Uh, that's all just about getting up to the day and getting through the delivery. And, y- you know, you go around the room and say, like, which hospital – and are you doing an and OB? People are or already mid- being judgmental. No. Well, that's the thing. All right. They probably are like have their opinions, but you don't express them. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's a totally an opinion. There's yeah. no, it's what's right for you. you. This hospital versus that hospital, hospital versus OB versus midwife, home. you know, home birth, right? Any of that stuff, birth center, um, totally is your opinion. For us, we gave birth at Swedish Covenant, which we had an awesome experience with our midwife group. Um, I know <laughs> some people might not like Swedish Covenant because that's a hospital that, like, basically almost, <laughs> almost killed, killed Dave. Dave. <laughs> yeah. I was just uh, about to, because he was my last guest. Yeah, like, so yeah, I, I know almost commented on that. <laughs> he has a, like a very strong opinion about their yeah. critical care trauma unit or whatever, and I get that. Yeah, uh, we actually had been going there or we just started going there and then dave went into the coma oh my god one of our prenatal visits we went to get a checkup and then while we were there we went and visited dave while he was in his coma and you know it was actually i think we found out i feel like that it was the day it was the day we confirmed you know we'd taken a pregnancy stick test Mm -hmm. and then we went in and confirmed that was the the day you found out she was definitely pregnant. The day we was she, we definitely found out she was pregnant. The first friend that we told was Dave Marr while he was in a coma, but he didn't obviously. Oh. <laughs> uh, so he was the first Man. one to know before our family. And that and is that. crazy. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine the headspace you would be in at that point. Well, I also didn't know that Dave was on life support at that time. I thought. I was like, oh, he's in a coma, but they're basically just waiting. Fine. They're waiting for his kidneys to kick back on, and then, like, they'll take him out. And then only when they said they were taking him off life support was I like, he was on life support? Oh, shit. Yeah. So it was more, at the time, it was more just like, a, oh, let's go visit oh, Dave yeah. while we're here. I had no concept concept that it was, I knew it was serious, but I did not have any concept that it was, like, life-threatening mm-hmm. at that point at all. I mean... <laughs> According yeah, so to Dave and his <laughs> experience, it may not have been as oh, yeah. life-threatening as it but was. definitely you're to go through... Speaking of speech covenant. I mean, yeah. But also, like... Sorry to interrupt, but... Go ahead. 
I'm sure that even within that one facility, those two things would be so disparate that the quality or experience of one can't really be compared to the quality or experience of the other. Yeah, I mean, it's it was a midwife group that might as well be like an independently functioning. It just unit happens to that, operate out that of operates in a part of that hospital. Now, at the same time, tying it back into what we were talking about earlier with people drawing blood mm. when she was born, which is its own long story. I, well, I don't know if we want to get into that or what their time is for. Uh, we're a little past an hour, so but I I'm fine with it continuing okay. as long as you would like it to okay. because i feel like we're still like you know on a good roll sure. but i also know that uh, i got a baby you She's have asleep. a child <laughs> and you have to be at work in the morning sure. but before you have to be at work in the morning you have to wake up and attend to your child <laughs> sure. no, we're good i think we can keep going if okay. that's okay i All like right. i said it's totally fine with me it's okay much more up to you so i'll I'll try to briefly cover the birth story. One, I'll say something that I do recommend for folks that are uh, pregnant or gonna or get pregnant is that we took a birth prep class mm-hmm. at a uh, it was out of a yoga studio that's in our neighborhood. Nice. A lot of them probably have that, but a lot of uh, hospitals also have birth prep classes. And really, what it's preparing you for are all the different th- things that could happen. Sure. During your delivery, so there was a class just on C-sections. There was a class just on, I think there was one probably on home births. There was a class probably just on like epidurals, you know, Mm -hmm. and then things about, and then every class covered like pain management kind of positioning positions and things like that. It's not exactly a Lamaze class, Mm -hmm. which is what you might equate it to, but Mm -hmm. certainly covers some aspects of more broad than that it's, it was more like a class like a uh, lecture in oh. some ways but it was you know we're sitting on a floor in a yoga studio and also right. it's a little you know earthy <laughs> <laughs> uh, as well but I feel like a, you almost said hippie and stopped you though <laughs> yeah I mean hippie hippie whatever right sure it was it's great honestly being in a there is also a really like cool amazing thing about being with a lot of pregnant women and, and couples and sure uh it's being it, on a very level playing field in a way that you're not around other people yeah but it's like i don't know it's just like being around everyone's going through kind of what you're going through and yes like being on a level playing field but it's also just being surrounded by you know this cool excitement this amazing feeling anxiety yeah, it's like, just like yeah, yeah. uh and, and anyone everyone's asking questions you can ask any personal question you want it's sure just, that was really i'm sure weird. there were things that got asked that you were just like oh my god i didn't even consider that yeah. <laughs> absolutely we you know so the good part of the class is people asking questions you didn't know that you should have be asking or might want to be interested in the answer to. Mm-hmm. um but anyway that was a that was a great class and then the last class a lot of uh re- students return with their baby and they tell their birth story cool uh, and it's a potluck class and everyone kind of you know has food and just listens to uh. birth stories and then asks questions of people who've been through it and literally you know there were eight couples or i remember six seven eight couples no two birth stories were similar wow. the same you know everyone's is totally totally different yeah like the time the whatever interventions they might need to do mm-hmm. c-section or 
uh, epidurals or different drugs, contractions. Or whether or not they did a midwife, whether or not they had a doula, an OB, how their contractions were, right? Uh, were there any complications? Were there, you know? So ours was not like any of those <laughs> and nothing like we even prepared for in class. We basically got up. It was a weekend. It was Sunday morning. A lot of people go into labor in the middle of the night. Um, mm-hmm. And since, so every time we woke up in the morning, we were like, oh, it didn't happen. Didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So we were up. We made breakfast. You know, we were doing a lot of sort of, we knew it was coming soon. So there was a lot of sort of like nesting activity, like a lot of house cleaning Aww. going on. <laughs> yeah. Just like. Because uh, things that you wouldn't want to have to deal with after the fact. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just cl- a lot of cleaning and doing all this stuff. So just. I'm sure there's a lot of peace laundry. of mind to that too. <clears throat> yeah. It's just. Yeah, uh, y- and also she's so pregnant, it's not really comfortable to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, you have right. To pee every fifteen minutes, <laughs> or something like that. So, um, I think I was making the bed, uh, and Sarah was just sitting on the couch watching TV, and she went up. She was getting up to pee, literally All every fifteen time. minutes. So she got up to use the bathroom, and she's like, she uh, her water broke, but she thought maybe she peed her pants. Oh, sure. But no, <laughs> she's like, I think I might have peed my pants or my water just broke. <gasps> so up until that point, I, sh- I kind of skipped over. She thought she was having some cramping, which can happen like in the last few weeks of pregnancy anyways, like uh, sporadically. And she's like, I don't think I'm having contractions. I feel like some cramping that morning, that morning, but nothing too painful. Mm-hmm. When sh- her water broke, her contractions went from zero to a hundred. Like, oh, instantly. shit. But we had learned that, you know, we were, and it was a big thing of like labor at home, labor at home. When you're, when you contractions start, you're not going to want to be in the hospital. They'll send you home even if it's too soon. Yeah. You have to wait. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It's more comfortable. We had all these positions and everything, S- you know, hip squeezes and, you know, back rubbing and go in this position, that position. So her water breaks, she's like contraction started. And <laughs> I was, you know, I hadn't even changed out of my pajamas yet. So oh. I'm like, all right, I'm going to take a quick shower and then, you know, I'll help you. We'll labor at home. Cause that, <coughs> at that point, they're still relatively far apart. No, right? they, well, I didn't know that what they were. Oh, because she had already started. So this is like, everything was going way faster than we had ever heard. So usually they're like. 10 minutes, five minutes apart. It was like every two minutes. Is she just like a beast? Minutes. Like she thought the first few were then? <laughs> I don't even know. I think so, yeah. She, she was definitely in labor for a couple hours, wow. two, three hours, and just didn't know she was in labor. Wow. Um, yeah, so, yeah, she's amazing. She's <laughs> amazing. Uh, so I, like, took a shower, got out, and then when I get out, I realize, like, whoa, oh, we shit. are not laboring at this all. This is DEFCON. She is <laughs> pain uh, i'm like do you want a hip squeeze She's like, don't even touch me i'm like oh. all right <laughs> uh okay so now we're trying to just get to the car and we're as soon as she has a contraction we're like okay go now so that we don't have a contraction on the sidewalk on the way to the car which we did anyways but oh my she god did anyways. uh we get to the hospital <laughs> <laughs> i drive up to the front where like the emergency room drop-off is and put the hazard lights on and park my car we go in she's nine and a half centimeters dilated out of 10 is like what the number is. So she's pretty much like ready, ready to push practically. Right. I think she might've labored for another 30 minutes, maybe an hour and then started pushing. We had a doula. It, are you familiar with the doula? Um, I know the it's, like word, it's but basically like a 
helper advocate type mm-hmm. person who just knows a lot of pain management techniques and knows a lot about birth in general and can kind of help buffer you between a obstetrician or midwife who might have their own kind of like style and agenda. And sure. So they're like your advocate kind of like they know what you want. They're your, working with you they personally. They know what your birth plan is and they're going to like make sure that the doctor or midwife tries ad- to follow that adheres to that. Cool. Um, and also it's a, f- they're typically female. Uh, and there is something I think as much as you want to be a present and supportive partner, a female presence and a female ally and a female person you can connect with is super important, uh, for a person in labor, I think, but, and I think Sarah would agree with me, but, um, uh, so she happened to be in in church or something oh really no. close by. Oh, <laughs> it was good, like goodness. really close by. So when we texted her, she's you know she said, I, "Actually, I'm across the street." We're like, "Great, you need to get here." Oh fast. my gosh! <laughs> uh, so yeah, because you like really thought quick. you'd have more time to yeah, kind of go through all those motions, right? So wow. luckily, she was very close by. Came right over, and then she was pushing really quickly, and uh, it was extremely painful and, and almost traumatizing honestly hearing sarah's experience it was just it seemed so painful and so scary and mm. everything was going so fast it seemed like something must be wrong or oh else why would it be sure going so anything fast? that's different than what you expect i'm yeah. sure is terrifying so it was just terrifying although i wasn't as scared because the midwife and the nurses and everyone was looking at her vitals and basically and going like everything like, looks great everything's totally great and oh. it was just so, so you're just trying to be a supportive person one of the things you cannot ever say to someone who's in labor is give any kind of timeline you know you can't say like soon it's happening very soon or it's happening close or it's going to happen definitely like next 30 minutes you know right you basically just have to say <laughs> We're going to do great. this. You're doing great. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's doing great. You know, everything's moving along. Um, it was too late for an epidural or any kind of pain stuff, so she did all oh natural. Sarah! <laughs> uh, which she wanted to, that was her goal. Try, right. But she was going to not judge herself if uh, she needed an epidural. Sure. And she wanted one, and they said no. <laughs> too late for that. Sarah! So she... Yeah, pushed her, uh, and she was pushing. I think it was probably an hour at least of pushing, oh and then and she came out. And honestly, that like that whole, that whole experience is just nuts too, because it happens so slowly. At least for us, it happens so slowly, and you see her start to come out. It's not like she's not there, and then suddenly she is. There's a baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like she kind of like slowly works her way out. Uh huh. And I was shocked at how big she was yeah <laughs> because i thought as she's coming out i'm just thinking like oh i kind of know how big her head must be i can kind of <laughs> see it and then it was just like holy shit. <laughs> uh, it was shocking and the first <laughs> um and then the first you thing just you just don't fathom that a, a child that size can be inside of another even person. As it was happening, and as I could see the top of her head, I was like, oh, I get how big her head must be. I can kind of see the top of it. And yeah. it was like twice as big as that. <laughs> uh, and she's still so small. But, right, right, uh, right. But still. But yeah, yeah, it was still freaking huge. And uh, <laughs> and the first thing I felt besides, you know, like, oh, that's what she looks like, really was, thank God 
Sarah's can be relieved now. It's Aww. more like just you're she doesn't have to go over. through that anymore. You, you just want the birth part to the labor part to be over. Mm-hmm. You're still. I mean, you're having to process all this stuff at once. Once oh it's like God. relief, and then I you're can't imagine looking at her and being like, you know, fingers, toes, everything. Yeah, everything's there. Years and all that, and her ear was like folded over in the womb, so it was like folded shut, and then like popped up, and I was like. Is that normal? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and they said, no, not no. at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So that's just really, it's just a lot. And then, uh, like, I think I was saying a lot earlier in this uh, interview or discussion was just saying, you know, the instincts of protection and bonding do kick in pretty soon. Mm-hmm. I will say... Uh, although that's there you're like you're you're just like it's over it's so overwhelming yeah you're not like oh, i was just full of love necessarily immediately you know i just like uh, definitely i was like so moved and so overwhelmed and so there are a thousand things going on and, yeah and just like what does this mean <laughs> you know yeah um and then and the reason why i say that is because you you truly just fall m- more in love with your kid every day as as you get to know them. I know it's yeah. sounding like sappy, but really it's like when you first see them, you don't know anything. It's just like an instinctual feeling. Sure. But as you see them grow, or pieces whatever, of personality, like, and I don't know, it gets more it, it gets more intense. Is all I want to say. It's oh. like it's not it's not like it starts out at a hundred. It starts out as a really high overwhelming number. And right. Then just like. Uh, maybe it does start at 100 and it goes to a thousand only increases from there yeah that's great mm-hmm. man that's i'm glad that you uh shared that whole experience because i definitely like wanted to hear all that uh yeah i'm trying to see if i left anything out i mean oh well i parked my it happened so fast, oh yeah right? yeah so you left your like, like hazards yeah i mean from the moment we got there to her being born was maybe two and a half hours, three hours, which is unheard of. Really? For first birth, it is like the best bet. As fast. is like six or five or six hours is like fast. Wow. Most people, their first birth She wanted out. (laughs) Yeah. So she was just way ready to Wow. So I came down and moved my car. They were just about to like tow tow or not tow over, like call someone and be like, whose car is this? Uh, but I was parked with my hazards lights on for such a short period of time in front of the emergency room drop-off that I actually went down and could move it to the parking garage and then go back up. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. It was it was fast. It was like, wild. It was and it parked happened there during the, the day, right? So it was parked there the whole t- Like, you mm-hmm. didn't move your car until after she was born? Yeah. So if you can imagine, wow. we woke up that morning, I think probably at 7.30. It was a Sunday. And... Got ready for our day. Had breakfast. Had a baby by two thirty or three, and then we're holding our baby in like a, another room before five p.m. And we're like, "Well, that oh. was pretty convenient." <laughs> 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 sort of felt like just like you know, what a day. We weren't <laughs> yeah. disturbed. Our sleep wasn't disturbed. Yeah, you didn't have really. to spend the night in the hospital. Even we spent the next two nights there. Oh, uh, they usually. Do oh, you were holding the baby at the yeah. hospital. Because it happened so quick, I think some people spend just one night there mm-hmm. uh, because they usually labor, like, through the night or something. Right. But we were just there for two nights just under, you know, they were doing tests and Making stuff like sure that. Making sure she was all right? 
They do something called, so I was saying before about drawing blood, they do something called a heel stick, which is like they prick the baby's foot mm -hmm. and then fill up all these tabs on a piece of paper and it's right. like a state mandated kind of blood test or mm -hmm. well you can probably refuse anything but it's like something that the state requires hospitals provide and the they basically you know they do the ankle because they can pinch that part of them oh really hard. it's not as or they do the sensitive peel. yeah and they can pinch the hell out of it which they did and it took a really long time and she was wailing crying and, and it was clearly, like, and you. one guy was yeah. really young, and he was teaching another guy how to do it. Ugh. And it was. Why are you doing this with my kid? Yeah. <laughs> it was, and that was, you know, that was one of those early experiences of just. You get so upset, and you're so protective, and you know you don't sleep. We didn't sleep the first night, or I didn't. Neither of us slept the first night really because you're just watching her. Mm -hmm. And that's when, and that's really when it starts. You are always checking if your baby's breathing. Yeah. I mean, we're five and a half months in, and I, like, still check to see that she's breathing. It's nuts. It's yeah. like... The only thing that I can even, like, remotely <laughs> relate to is, like, when you leave somewhere and you're trying to find... Or you walk back to where you locked up your bike. And there's, like, always... At least for me, yeah. anyway. There's always, like, an element of anxiety that someone has stolen it. And until you see it, sure. you will feel that way. Mm -hmm. But, like... This is that is like a bike versus yeah. a human life. <laughs> well, and then how many bikes get stolen out of all the bikes that there are, right? Right. And I'm all we're checking all the breathing stuff because of SIDS. Right. And that happens to like ten babies out of every baby in the world or in the United States a year. Right. Right. It's like, oh, is it really that rare? Um, I don't know. I don't even know what the exact. You don't want to think about it. I don't want to know what the statistic long. is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I told the statistic once to Sarah, and she was like, "That's how no, so no. common." <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no, no. So, but anyway, it is extremely rare. So but you still you still do it, or you know, you still yeah. like freak out until they get past a certain month, whatever, six, seven, eight months. I can't remember what it is, and then that like, then it pretty much is not a concern anymore. Then it's just it would have to be something like even more. Like mm -hmm. of a, yeah, freak weirdies health thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so what do you think in these first uh, five and a half months has been your just absolute favorite thing about this experience? Like the most positive thing that you can think of. Um, let me think. Well, sorry, I know that's kind of putting you on the spot, but one, I mean, it's it's obviously yeah, extremely. It's okay rewarding um again just seeing a person who you know you can look in her face and be and see a little bit of yourself mm -hmm. you know you connect to she's so cute there's a few <laughs> things there <laughs> Thank you. she's so cute um well one thing is you have a you have your love your capacity to love right has suddenly it's literally like the i say i've been saying literally a lot but mm. maybe i maybe that's just a just a classic mark <laughs> um, apparently <it> webster's <coughs> dictionary expanded the definition of literally so Whoa. that it doesn't like actually mean literally anymore oh, no. because of the way that people are, were using it too loosely so now there's like not a word that actually means something strictly literally. means literally wow okay <laughs> So I support, that's where we are. I actually support that kind of stuff. When mm -hmm. people get so mad about language being misused, mm -hmm. like language evolves, guys. Yeah. Um, anyways, 
uh, what was my first thought? Oh, the capacity, oh the capacity of love. Uh, yeah, it's you know, you feel like you can suddenly love more Aww. than you could ever have imagined you could possibly love. It's like it, you truly feel like you've grown in your ability to to love, and especially with your partner, your love between each other is now not like strengthened. It's like grown, and now it's not just between another, two of you, right? Includes another person, and now you you know you have a connection with someone else and when she smiles at you it, there's a you think about the way that you, your you partner think, factors <laughs> yeah there's i mean you're you just have another person in your life who you love intensely like you love your partner <laughs> uh and you didn't think you could expand that because you're kind of focused on one person sure <laughs> now it's now there's a new person. Sure. You know, your family and your partner is like a defined set of love <laughs> in some ways. And mm-hmm. you love your friends, obviously. But sure. now there's this new person who you love intensely, right? So that is amazing. And the fact that she, you have a connection with her or him or whoever in your case. And um, that is your special connection. You have a, you're starting, you're beginning a relationship with a brand new human being and having that perspective again um seeing seeing the world through the eyes of an infant in some ways is really just incredible um because you're you're seeing how a human learns mm-hmm. you know i've we've i've watched her go from not being able to grab something with her hand to slowly mm-hmm. developing that skill mm-hmm. in the like slowest possible most incremental <laughs> way you can even imagine. You literally see it every day. You know, yeah. just imagine that. Imagine starting with zero, right? And witnessing how a child learns how to do stuff. It is incredible. And it connects you. You don't form memories until you're five or six, really, or at least concrete ones that you are still in your brain somewhere. So you don't know what the beginning of your life is like. And so suddenly you are kind of seeing like, oh, my God, this is what my life was like. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God my parents did all these things for me you don't you know there's a and then that's the other maybe kind of amazing gift is suddenly connecting with your parents and being like oh my god Uh, you know i think of all my what my parents did for me i think about you know taking me to soccer games and blah 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 and right uh helping me with homework but you don't realize that there's this whole period of your life that you don't remember at all right and you suddenly are just like thinking keep i'm holding my baby thinking picturing my dad holding me or my mom holding me and you're connected through that and it's it's just it's a it's wild i mean it's just a very humbling and deepens your relationships with your family and it's incredible that's awesome yeah that's really really great yeah and there's um there's someone gave us a, a board book, like a children's book. That's just the. It's a really cool illustrations, but it's just the lyrics to um, "What a Wonderful World." Oh. So it's very sweet. I mean, a lot of stuff is just. I'm a. I'm not a very weepy guy, but Sarah is like. Oh. Cries at a oh my God. Car commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly moving car commercial. Yeah. Um, but there is a line that is so moving still. Uh, that's that I didn't even know was in the song, and it's must be because in this book, but it says like, um, oh no, now I'm gonna get weepy just like saying Aww. it out loud. But I, I'll try not to. But it's it's uh, I see children cry, I watch them grow, 
they'll learn much more than I'll ever know. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Like, you're looking at a child that will truly know more than you will ever know. Yeah. That's, that's, that's incredible. That's, that's amazing. That's awesome. <sighs> well, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting teary. <laughs> One last thing. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like your experience, love of, knowledge of being a new dad has influenced you creatively? I'm sure there's uh, you know, a specific thing to sure. speak to there. But, um, and maybe you just like, tie a, a, a bow on uh, how it's influenced your life in general because obviously we've spent a lot of time talking about that. Yeah. Um, creatively, I mean... You think about if I, you know, I, I always have dreams of one day it would be great to write a book or some kind of fan. I was always like a fantasy sci-fi type yeah. guy and I'd love to write that. And now Pat Roth is fan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I actually just bought his, I have only read the first book. Tw- really? I did read it twice, uh, but I just bought the second one today. <gasps> Exciting. Yeah, I had a coupon for the bookseller in Lincoln Square Yay. and I bought it. Uh, I love the so I will read that. And the guy who checked me out said the second one's much better than the first one. Really? So very excited to check that out. Yeah. But, uh, you know, thinking about that now I'm thinking what would be a book that she would want to read, you know, kind of stuff or that's so sweet. And the other thing is it definitely for me anyways, has soft, maybe softened me a little bit. I don't think I'm quite as dark. I know I got in a bit of a fight with Steve Nelson because he, made a choice in a show to make a chi- or make a character your character right? yes 12 years old and have a relationship with like a 17 or 18 year old or something. right uh, there was a sexual relationship between <laughs> yeah. me and an older character <laughs> yeah that, i was a little i was a little taken cool. aback by that too <laughs> not I in agree. a way that yeah. it like made me viscerally uncomfortable but i'm sure you're coming to it from a different yeah. perspective yeah there is there's there yeah there's that and then there's there's this thing of you know, I'm mentioning that I would love to write a book, right? I also have a, a career, you know, in the healthcare IT industry, right? Right. That's like my niche career. And, you know, what's the next step for my growth, right? And I think. You, you think know, about that more than you ever. Well, I think about am I going to get a book on healthcare mm. and learn more about that so I can advance my career? Or do I get a fantasy book that's going to inspire me to write my fantasy book? Right. And I don't know. It's neither one is right and or the right thing. And a lot of it is just being, I don't know. It's just being okay with what you're doing and knowing that, you know, creatively you may, you can do stuff all the time um, that isn't as monumental as writing a book. Right. Um, but can be satisfying, like doing a weekly improv show. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and I don't think that there's, you know, there is an aspect, an aspect, I think very early we were talking about, like, how your life kind of crystallizes where you think, not necessarily like you're giving up on your dreams or whatever, mm-hmm. but where there's a clarity and focus in your life like you've never had before. You need to provide for a human being. Yeah. And give every, I don't just mean financially, I mean, like, you want to nurture them. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to, like, knowing what every, like, minute, ha- having to plan your life in a totally different way. So are, so are you giving up those other pursuits? Are you sacrificing them? And 
I don't know. Uh, it's hard to say because sometimes you say like, yeah, I'm sacrificing all the other improv shows I could be doing or time I could spend doing this. But I'm, but what is, I don't know. I, I think that there's nothing that gives me greater pleasure now than raising a child. That's great. <laughs> so I don't know. But you're never, you know, you're not quite, she changes me every day. You never quite let go of who you were. The mm. moment she's born, you still want to do all the things you ever did. Right. For a long time. Right. It's not normal yet to have another person in your house. Yeah. I you remember. haven't adjusted to it yet. I remember when, uh, you know, speaking of Steve, I remember when he, like, either your first show back with a group or one of the first shows, he got a suggestion by being like, Mark hasn't done improv in, it was like three and a half months or something like that. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like case in point to what you were talking about earlier mm -hmm. around that time where there's a big transition between like, uh, having to, uh, actually being able to get her to sleep through the night after you did it for what, six years or something like that. Like ten. To, oh, fuck. Yeah, because I was doing it in college, so it was like, oh. yeah, so it was more like a 10-year so like streak of always doing improv. six here, but like 10 otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, after that being a part of your life, at least weekly, at like at least once a week, mm -hmm. and then going essentially cold turkey. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I mean, you're, you, like, it's such a major thing that happens and it's such an amazing and wonderful thing that happens, but it does change you and it constant it keeps changing you. And there is for someone who's for a lot of people who are pursuing artistic stuff mm -hmm. for people that are just pursuing their careers, probably not as weird of a situation, but for people sure, who are kind of pursuing artistic stuff, any time that you have outside of that career is, yeah. was going to be like, <laughs> you take that onion yeah. article out of the equation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I don't know. I think it's just you also just need to, or at least for me, just recognize. And I'm past the point where I think I'm going to get on SNL anyway. <laughs> sure. Uh, but being okay with that and actually being happy about that and actually being really just happy with your life in general I mean, I got no complaints about how my life is Good. going. <laughs> I got stress sure. and anxiety like crazy. But sure. you can't um, – when you have a lot of – when you have a, a kid, not that you can't complain anymore. I complain all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it goes back to, like, you can be mad at your baby. <laughs> you have, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You just have such a sense of purpose in your life that, you know, like we were saying earlier about kind of letting go of people judging you and stuff like that. Just imagine it like it does not matter because you have a little baby at home that's going to smile at you no. in the morning. <laughs> you <know? laughs> when you pick them up and they smile at you, it's like, yeah. This is I, great. <laughs> I really wish i hadn't said that line in that improv show yeah. last night <laughs> 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 uh, those roll off a little back. easier <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but i but it just i mean and again i i don't think it, it necessitates a 
having a kid to have those kind of profound moments. Mm-hmm. I think that I think it just is just a is very a specific. O- thing? <laughs> it's a very obvious way to get there for me <laughs> to get sure. to that kind of profound kind of moment for me. But um, I think a lot of people have those moments of just being ex- of just accepting uh, what makes them happy and being present in their life and just the small moments that you have that you can enjoy. You got to do that because, man, you cannot hang your hat on something that happens for point zero 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 one percent. Yeah. I, s- I read some fact about something, a newspaper or something about like the SAG after uh-huh. union mm-hmm. that 90 percent of the that, that union is unemployed. That does not surprise me. I mean, I mean, it. I wish it surprised me, but it doesn't. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, I love all that stuff. I love incur. I think ar- I'm going to live vicariously through all my friends <laughs> pursuing artistic stuff, and I still will pursue that. And you still, I'm still five and a half months in, so I'm yeah. still finding a lot of balance, figuring out what balance in in that kind of thing. But um, you certainly don't have time for f- more frivolous or sure stuff. You're just sort of like, okay, what are the things I really care about? That's because that's all I got. Time exactly for. what I was going to say. Um, and I almost mentioned that earlier is that I'm sure this like forces you to really nail down what you want to <laughs> yeah. prioritize. Yeah. Yeah. Which well, I feel very honored yeah. and happy <laughs> to be a sure. part of something that you do prioritize as a part of that. Absolutely. I it's, really love it. It's a huge a part of that group. A huge, um, important part of my life as well. Cool. Great. You're the last member of the group to be on the show. Really? Yeah, it was like not intentionally. So what it are, just happened. Remind me what all the other topics uh, were. Jimmy was the first. He was the Great American Novel. Awesome. And then uh, Steve, and he talked about poetry. Mm-hmm. And Rosie talked about sexuality. Mm-hmm. And Strickland talked about uh, basketball fundamentals. Awesome. And now a new parent. Yeah, well... And I'm only five and a half months deep into that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can, I'll count the pregnancy. So I'm, in a, I'm a year into like, the <laughs> I, idea of a... That's totally fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really... I mean, I I've said, I mentioned this during, I think, Strickland and Rosie's. But like, I plug the show every week mm-hmm. because it's a thing that I just genuinely enjoy doing. It's the one thing that I have as like a, a weekly plug to give. But I still always do it because I love that show and I love being a part of it with you guys. So if nothing else, it's nice to just like remind me every like weekly when I'm recording the intro for this show. Like, man, I get to do this great thing with people that I really admire as performers and people every week. Oh, yeah. It's just great. It's so wonderful. It uh, it gives it's it's a he, it's an incredible outlet for me. And all I'm you sure. guys are so amazing in that i just trust all of you completely yes and you know that's a, that is can be a rare thing especially in community where you get thrown onto improv teams to be on like a self kind of selected crew and mm-hmm. yeah it's it's just uh it's great to to just be a part of that comfortable trusting atmosphere of mm-hmm. mutual collaboration and creativity it's great totally agreed yeah, almost uh, as good as being a dad. <laughs> 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 almost as good. 
Is there anything that uh, comes to mind that you feel like you'd be remiss if you didn't mention it right here? At, uh, yeah. At here? I want to say that I love my wife, Sarah, very much. Aww. And that uh, being a dad is an amazing experience, but it's only great because I have a partner that I also love and trust completely. And, uh, and I know that she as being the primary caregiver is just such an amazing mother. And, um, yeah, I just, I can't say enough about how much I love and admire and, um, trust and appreciate her. That's, That's all I want to say. So, so great. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. And I love you, Mark, and I mean that. Uh, I love you right back. This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.